Great to be with you this morning. Can we bow together and pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the God who has given us your word. You've given us your word to teach us, to lead us, to encourage us, to instruct us, to bless us and to rebuke us. But in your word, you've given us the way to life. You're not just our judge, but you are our merciful God and Father who loves us with an everlasting love. As we look at this passage this morning, I pray that you would help us to understand it more clearly, our place before you, and give me the, the grace and the strength to preach your word according to your, the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was in primary school a few years ago, uh, well, just a bit more than a few years ago, one day we had this scripture teacher. The normal scripture teacher couldn't turn up, so the reverend did. The reverend was dressed in black, and he was the most fearsome man I can ever remember. He was. You daren't bat an eyelid. And if you gave the wrong answer, everyone else knew not even to try. For fear of the reverend. A few years later, he was teaching Sue in her scripture class in her high school. And he encouraged everybody in that class to read the Bible every day. And so Sue started to read the Bible every day. But that man, the Church of England rector, was a most austere man. He knew the law. And you knew that he knew the law. And even in synod, with all those hundreds of people and archbishops and bishops, he would stand and correct everything and anything that was not right according to the law of the church. He was a fearsome man. You know, when I think of the Pharisees, I can imagine that they were like that canon, a little bit like him. So caught up in doing what was right that they missed the wonder and the joy and the grace and the mercy of God. So you can imagine... For the Pharisees, when this 30-year-old Galilean upstart started preaching and reports went about about him doing miracles, the Pharisees immediately would have thought negatively about him. They were threatened. It was said that he healed the blind, the sick, the demon-possessed. Even he healed those who were deaf and he brought people back to life from the dead. They had to find out about him. Little did they recognise in the scriptures the prophets had foretold of the coming one who would bring God's reign in and that he would do these things. Just in Isaiah 61, 1 it says he would bind up the brokenhearted. He would release the captives and from the darkness those who were prisoners. He had proclaimed the time of the Lord's favour. And this upstart cried out, The time has come, the kingdom of God is near, Repent! Well, who was he? In their eyes, who was he? Who did he think he was? Imagine today this happening with you and me. Maybe he's a TV person. Maybe he's somebody over in the square. What would you think of this young, brash 30-year-old? Well, he appeared brash. If he did the miracles that he said he did, and others said he did, how did he do them? By what power? We would probably think negatively 
and we'd probably reject him and we'd probably do just as the Pharisees did. But this Pharisee that we read of this morning, a guy called Simon, he needed to know. He needed to know who this Jesus really was. And so he invited him home for a meal. And now when you invited someone home for a meal like this, everybody was welcome. It was open house. However, when Jesus came to his house, Simon didn't greet him. He ignored him. What about you? When Jesus has come to your heart and your mind, probably many times, have you been too busy to welcome him? Or even recognise that he's calling you? Or have you shrugged him off and ignored him? You're too busy. Or have you and are you giving him the place of honour that he deserves in your life? He knows all about you. Just as he knew all about Simon's mind as they were eating together. You can imagine the dinner. It was going along fine until that woman. Someone Simon would never have in his house. She came on in. The term used in the Bible to describe her says she was a sinner, but in that context it meant that she was a prostitute. She was a known sinner. So she worked her way around to where Jesus was. He's, now, if you, you've got to capture this. They didn't have chairs like we do for a meal. They had a little table off the ground about this high, and you lay it on the ground, face in obviously, feet to the outside, Resting on one arm, with the other arm you took from the table, the food you wanted. That's how they were doing. And so she works her way around to Jesus. His feet to the outside. His dirty feet to the outside. They hadn't been washed. As an invited guest normally would have had his feet washed. And then it happened. I want you to imagine this. She made a complete fool of herself. She came behind him. She was broken. A woman who had lost all her dignity and integrity. She was overcome and she just wept uncontrollably. And her tears were so many that they wet his dirty feet. And then she lost all sense of self-regard and she let her hair down. Now, no woman would ever do that in public. Only a sinner would. And she dried his dirty feet with her hair. And then that little bottle of, of a jar of ointment which women carried around their neck. You'd only take a, a dab of it and it would be fine. But she then poured it out over his feet. And he let her. Imagine that. He let her. And she was a sinner. What would you have thought if you had been there? What would you have thought? She was a sinner. No respectable woman would behave as she did. She was utterly broken and her inner self was exposed. The shame of her life she could no longer hide. But she, somehow she knew 
there was one who could help help her. Simon must have been very embarrassed that she was even in his house. And her behaviour would have been unbearable to him. He was a right man. He was a Pharisee. He was the one who did everything that was right. Well, he thought he was right. But he wasn't right, was he? He thought he was right, but he wasn't right. Look what he said. In verse 39, the Pharisee who had invited him, that's Jesus, saw this. And he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he'd know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And then Jesus answered him. How was it that Jesus answered him? He didn't even talk. He just thought it in his mind. And he, Jesus knew what was in his mind. And he knew exactly the words that were in his mind. As he knows what's in your mind and my mind. He understands you and he knows you. Just as he knows Simon and just as he knew that woman. And then he said, Simon, I have something to tell you. What a lovely statement. Jesus wasn't being critical. He then told a story about a guy who owed somewhere about two years worth of salary to a money lender. Another guy who owed about two months. And in his grace, the money lender let them go. They were completely forgiven of their debt. However, I think Jesus' question was, who would love the, the forgiver the most? It was the one who has been most forgiven. And then Jesus turned to the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? Of course he saw this woman. Do you see this woman? Do you understand her? Do you understand the depth of the pain of her brokenness? As a little girl, she wasn't growing up like that. As a woman, she'd ended up being like that. And then Jesus brings out three, three illustrations. Three distinctions between Simon and the woman. Will you look at them with me, please, in the Bibles? In verse 44 to 47, we see this. That's then he, Jesus, turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. It was so customary and the normal thing. An invited guest, you would always give him water to wash his feet with. But he hadn't. He had disregarded that. For Jesus, who'd he invited into his house? In verse 45, you did give me a kiss, which was common and, and the most appropriate way to greet somebody. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Not his head, but his feet. The position of the most humble, lowly person. Thirdly, you did not put oil on my head in verse 46. 
but she has poured perfume on my feet. The oil would have cost him virtually nothing. But the perfume that she used was very expensive. The man who thought he was all right, was doing everything right by the law, was the one who Jesus was showing that he had lost the plot. And that this woman, in her brokenness, had shown tremendous love to Jesus. She wiped Jesus' dirty feet clean with her hair. It was an act of humility and of love and of longing for forgiveness. Jesus pointed out to Simon that he did not even acknowledge Jesus when he entered his house as his guest. He should have, Simon should have anointed Jesus' head with oil, but he hadn't. And then there's the main point that we come to in verse 47. Look at it with me. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. That's what Simon had to learn. I wonder how many of us have got to learn the same thing. I wonder how many of us have been living a pretty good life and therefore we don't really feel that we need to be forgiven very much. If that's you, you're like Simon. And Jesus in his compassion showed Simon that there's a way forward that is different. Jesus looking at the woman said your sins are forgiven here was this broken woman lost all of her integrity being renewed and refreshed and released from the pain of her brokenness just as Jesus wants to do that for each one of us no matter where we've been at in life We all need to understand that we are just like that woman in need of great forgiveness. Sure, we may not have lived like her, but each of us need to realise that before God, before a holy God, we are sinners desperately in need of his help. And when we come to him, like that woman came to Jesus, humbly, virtually to bow at his feet, then he'll accept us. I want to take you back just for a moment to the other guests. They began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? It's a great question, isn't it? I think in our society today, where over the last few weeks we've had a lot of challenges to the Christian faith and we're going to continue to have those challenges. The question is, who is this who even forgives sins? All humanity sins, as much as we might try to cover it up or change the law to make it look right when it isn't right before God. Deep down inside, we are all in need of his forgiveness. A couple of weeks ago, someone said to me, John, why is forgiveness one of the most important things in your life? 
And I was a little taken back. But he was right, because it is one of the most important things in my life. This is why forgiveness is one of the most important things in life to me. Because primarily, it's only when you realise your sin before Jesus and his love for you on the cross that you can know his forgiveness and the freedom that he gives to all who turn to him, to all who are truly sorry for their sin. When you are pardoned, you are completely forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our sins from us. Forgiven, cleansed from all wrong, and knowing God's life-changing, powerful love and his acceptance. Knowing the joy of his presence. Knowing that you are his children. That's what Ian read from 1 John. We are his children when we trust him. The Bible says, and it says it so clearly, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you have any thought in your mind that you can get right with God by doing things, throw it out. Because you can't. You can't be perfect in this life. My mother, when I was young, every New Year she'd say to me when I was a kid, John, you need to turn over a new leaf. <laughs> I was the most been a rat of a kid. I tried. I honestly tried. And I think for a couple of days I, I thought I made it. But then I failed. And in the end, every time she said it to me, I knew I was a failure. As much as I tried. And you know, when we come to Jesus, we can find in him the freedom and the forgiveness that only he can give. Some of us may feel that things that have happened to us or things that we have done are too deep to talk to God about. Like a guy who said to me in hospital, John, why, why is it so hard to get back to church? Because he feared God would not accept him again. And if you have got a situation in your life that you've been hiding, that you think that God doesn't know about it, he does know. He knows you. And he loves you. And he longs to you, for you to be free of the guilt and the shame of that brokenness. We all carry scars. But the healed scars are the scars that make us into the people he wants us to be. So my friends this morning, as we look at Jesus' compassion and the fact that he knows each, each of us through and through, as he knew that woman and he knew Simon, he knows you and me. How are you going to live for him? Today? Tomorrow? Christmas? New Year? I'm going to pray for us. Let's just stop for a few moments, just to reflect. Wherever you're at with God, know that he's not far from you. The psalm writer said, if I go to the farthest parts of the earth or the deepest part of the sea, there you are. 
and he loves you. And God longs for you to know and to go out from here filled with the joy of his presence. As we come to share in the Lord's Supper and we remember his brokenness for us, we also remember the freedom that he won on that cross at Calvary. We need to go out with that freedom and the joy that only he gives by the power of his spirit. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this story this morning about two people who were opposites, who desperately needed to know you, just like each of us. Help us to grow close to you, to talk to you, to seek your forgiveness, to know the freedom of your promise that you have removed the guilt of our sin. And you did it on a cross so many years ago. Help us to live in that freedom and to go out in here filled with the love that only you can give by the power of your spirit for the glory of your name. Amen.